and welcome. Thanks for tuning in to Cloud Civilizations. With the help of guests, we explore human experiences of the digital, getting up close and personal with subcultures on social media platforms, anecdotal stories of digital tools, to people's opinions on digital phenomena. I'm your host, Young Lo, currently pursuing a master's in digital anthropology. Before we properly launch into this episode, where we'll be chatting about online fan communities or fandoms of pop stars, wanted to mention that I re-uploaded the previous episode on creative activism in the Shanghai lockdown due to an audio glitch. Thank you to the listeners who alerted me. This episode was originally recorded back in September and the content is relatively more lighthearted, so hopefully that matches the upcoming holiday mood for those who are celebrating. I talked initially about online communities that have been established on the grounds of the shared enthusiasm and close following of pop stars. Nishi has a background in social anthropology from Cambridge and currently works in policy. We chat about the fandoms she has personally followed, including 2000s British boy band JLS and K-pop, the changing nature of social media platforms from Tumblr to TikTok and the potential effects of algorithms. And lastly, we address the positive and darker sides of celebrity fandoms, which explains why Nishi is paradoxically, to use her own words, anti-celebrity. Since fans' emotional attachments can affect influential figures being held accountable for problematic actions. Trigger warning for listeners who may find the following content distressing. This episode contains mentions of sexual assault and suicide. I will also flag these topics right before they come up. So without further ado, let's dive into the humanly digital. So our guest for today, welcome, welcome to the pod. Tell me a bit about yourself. Hello, um, my name is Nishi, born <laughs> and raised in London. I'm currently um, working for the civil service. I work in policy nice. um, and very excited to be having this conversation with you. Fair. and. So since this is a digital-based podcast, I must ask, what has been your favorite thing you've encountered or digital platform this week or maybe your favorite digital tool at the moment? Um, I think this is a bit boring because it's not necessarily new, but this is something that's consistent in my life, which is Spotify always. Oh, um, yeah. But specifically, um, my favorite podcast is the Receipts podcast. And that's gonna oh, be, that's not going to be a surprise to anyone. But also, they have alternate episodes. So one week, it's like very chatty. It's like over an hour. And then the next episode, they have like your receipts. So people write in with their, dilem- with oh, their dilemmas and like yeah, any advice. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, some of the scenarios, they're wild. So as we were saying just now, you're actually my first in-person guest. So what are we going to talk about today? From what I understand, we're going to be talking about um, online fandoms. Yes, we are going to talk about online fandoms. And so just a disclaimer, because it is such an extremely broad spectrum this topic covers. So this episode is definitely probably not going to be the last one that it will be on this Mm -hmm. subject. It's just a preliminary shallow dip into this topic into the world of online fandoms and they're specifically going to be exploring the ones that you've perhaps personally had firsthand experience in mm-hmm. and then also just your views and your opinions about the entire phenomenon okay so taking a trip down memory lane do you remember <laughs> do you remember when was the first time you got plugged into an online pop star fandom I do. And we're laughing because um, we just spoke about this over dinner. So it was uh, a band called, <laughs> called JLS. I didn't think that you would know them because they, as, as I was saying, they, they weren't very international. So I really respect that they made their way to Hong Kong. So yeah, and I guess it's also because back then when we were younger, we didn't have, you know, all these different Instagram pages and these so different true. fan page handles. Yeah. So tell me a bit about that. How did you make your way into the 
the fandom beyond just kind of your peer group and just maybe yeah. sticking posters on your wall yeah, kind of thing. I did all of those things. It's actually <laughs> really interesting and um, I think it's a really good fandom to have been initiated into because those of you who don't know they appeared on x factor in 2008 so i was like nine years old um and i, I voted for them so that was uh... that was like the first step so i didn't even i i really did see them when they were sort of at, at their beginning mm-hmm. um but obviously i was too young for any of that stuff but i think i was just a fan of them for, for a really long time um and I like remember checking out a library book when I was like year, in year five or year six about like the JLS like annual. Yeah, back then that was it. The library books and magazines, that was yes, people's exactly. way into these things because, you know, obviously the social media platform use, maybe MySpace and that, but we were probably a bit young a bit for that. Young. Yeah, Pop stars did these books that they had. Yeah, yeah, exactly, handle. exactly. And yeah, it's actually really interesting because I remember one of my earliest memories is just like, watching their music video um on like mtv bass or something so it, it, and it's <laughs> not even youtube no exactly exactly <laughs> it was it was very traditional like forms of media which is actually which is why i think it's quite interesting as an example because then a bit later a few years um down the line i think i think it was maybe 2011 so it must have been in year seven or eight um i joined twitter for the first time so i've been on twitter for a very long time wow, too long yeah true. but actually it was quite common amongst like my oh, friends or people okay. my age um but yeah, so I had a Twitter and I did have a JLS fan account. That is <laughs> that is my earliest social media memory. Like that, I honestly I think I might have had Twitter before Facebook, or I might have had it like yeah. It was it was really bizarre, but I was that typical Twitter fangirl. Like my Twitter handles, I can't in good faith release that to the public. So back then, I guess Twitter wasn't as we probably know no. now. In terms of now, a lot of people, it's a it's definitely a place where. Obviously, a lot of things, different things happen, but people mm. know it for political commentary and yeah. also just people have putting their opinions and yeah. uh, their, their hot take on things out there. And so I suppose back when you first launched your, you know, <laughs> your JLS fan account on Twitter, <laughs> were you interacting mostly with, you know, other fans and I guess mostly with this band content or? No, it pretty much was with other JLS fans. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I remember joining and I was like very much an X Factor fan and there were other things, but I think down the line it sort of translated into a purely JLS fan account. But it was also a place where I could um tweet my views on TV shows that I loved as well. Nothing, oh, okay. Nothing's changed there. But it was it was honestly it was sort of a medium for just expressing all the interests that I had in terms mm-hmm. of like media forms. Yeah. Um, and connecting with other people that felt the same way. And it's yeah, it's it's really mad um to to think about my time on Twitter because you would just just talk to people because they you both liked the same band. Um and people still do that now obviously but it was I suppose less normal than it is now. Um, mm. I think now it's very much established that people meet their friends online, but it wasn't the case there. And it wasn't just Twitter, it was t- Tumblr as well. That was the yeah, age Tumblr. of Tumblr. Yeah, Tumblr, yeah, that was, Tumblr back then was what I thought of when people were trying to reach out for the initial kind of interest or fandom communities. You know, you could curate it according to your own um, yeah, exactly. you know, preferences and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. I think um, Tumblr was a little bit more, I suppose, insular in the sense that you had your own page it was a little less publicized than twitter was um twitter was very outward facing and so currently which online you know pop star idol fandoms you kind of participate or observe yeah i just wanted to start by saying i've seen a few through my time online um but i'm gonna say the notable ones have been 
um, JLS, which I was an active participant in, as in I had a fan account, I was tweeting, I was trying to get noticed by JLS. I never did, by the way, which is very sad. I'm still upset about that to this day. But I, I suppose celebrities that I have followed online quite closely have been sort of Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande, and most recently BTS. Um, as I said, I haven't been an active participant in any of them. I don't have a fan account anymore, just to say. Um, I don't tweet. And there's no in shame support. in that. No, no, no shame at all. But I, in case anyone wants to go digging, I don't have one. There, there's been such an expansion of social media since those early JLS days. It's now sort of Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, especially. Um, and in the case of BTS and other sort of K-pop groups, it's they have their own apps as well. So it's so interesting to trace the way that um, celebrities uh, interact with their fans and how that's changed over the years. Um, the thing is, BTS have been around for a really long time, like nine years since they debuted, I think. Um, but I've only recently sort of stumbled stumbled across them. But I think also Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande, very interesting to see their fandoms um, and how they interact online as well, especially as like women compared to boy bands mm. um there is definitely an interesting um difference there interesting yeah so according to these different kinds of online communities that mm. have developed as a result of these idols what are the differences uh first between these different online communities yeah it's a really interesting question and actually something that's changed over time um which i know because i spend too much on time online <laughs> um but so taylor swift and Ariana grande used used to both be very much very online so Taylor Swift used to use Tumblr so much um, and she used to interact with her fans all the time the thing about Taylor Swift which is actually really interesting is that she still has that close relationship with her fans I'm not sure you know this but there's almost a reward for fans for being so online because if you are a dedicated um, Taylor Swift fan account yeah. and um, you're noticed by Taylor Swift herself or her team. She used to hold something called secret sessions. I don't know if you've heard I've of them. I've heard of these. Yeah, so yeah. It basically, it's honestly insane if you think about it. Like, she's pretty much probably one of the most famous celebrities in the world. Like, But she would invite select fans to her houses like across mm -hmm. the world, so, like in London, Los Angeles, like Nashville, um, in advance of her album coming out and she'd play them the album and it would last for like nine hours. I mean, they'd be able to take pictures. She'd like bake cookies. Nine hours? Yeah, yeah. It'd be like a whole thing. It's a secret. You have to sign like an NDA. Like you can't tell anyone that you're going. So she did that for a while. So she was very online. So she saw a lot of that. But she, of recent years, is a lot less online. Yeah. And then similarly with Ariana Grande, she used to be very online. Like she used to tweet her fans a, a lot, but she's stopped doing that now. And I think it was around the time where she was dealing with a lot of um, difficult situations, like in the wake of the Manchester bombing and you know, mm -hmm. yeah, Mac yeah. Miller's death and that yeah. kind of thing. Like she's happily married, stable, very much not really online anymore. She uses Instagram, that's about it. Deactivated her Twitter. BTS on the other hand, have become even more online than they were before. So recently they've actually started their own Instagram accounts. Um, yeah, which was quite that's a big interesting thing. because I guess K-pop stars traditionally have always been a bit more, you know, behind the curtain. So yeah. management companies and their PR teams were very much guarding mm. and gatekeeping. I suppose the management would always have control over what they put yeah. out. Interestingly, BTS was one of, just saying it from my personal observation, but they're one of the first kind of very high profile K-pop idols to have made their individual yeah, instagrams yeah. almost kind of posting 
well, what it seems to be much more personal yes, content sure. and less filtered or less PR yeah, filtered. Yeah, definitely. I think the idea was that they, they've been together for so long, but they've only maybe in the recent few years sort of become really popular with mainstream like yeah. in America. Yeah, in you're in America. Yeah, exactly. But um, they're sort of taking time to do more individual projects now. And I think to break these markets... Um, I think Instagram is actually very important as a tool to showcase them as individual celebrities mm -hmm. and uh, musicians uh, and not just part of, yeah. part of a group. I also, sorry, I did actually. A point of interest to note here is that a unique feature of K-pop idol fandom, such as BTS, which can also apply to other international fan cultures, most international fans who don't speak the artist's native language would most of the times primarily engage with fan culture through almost completely digital means. Many fans would not physically be able to attend many offline engagements like concerts and meet and greets, especially in recent years with pandemic travel restrictions. And so the internet has facilitated the lifting of physical as well as language barriers and transcending cross-cultural differences. Fan translation accounts play a significant role by adding subtitles to songs or videos of artists to be shared across international audiences. I guess through those celebrities that you have yeah. followed, a common thing is that these online fandoms on these different social media platforms, it's a PR tool. But yeah. secondly, it kind of builds on that cult of celebrity oh, 100%. Uh, in terms of they get close to their fans. Mm. And obviously some more cynical people would think that's a manipulative whatever. But, you know, I mean, the pop star, cult pop star has kind of been around yeah. before that before the recent, you know, rise of kind of K-pop into yeah. mainstream Euro America, I mean, if you think of Beatle, you know, yeah. Beatlemania back mm -hmm. in the mid-20th yeah. century, it was very, there was definitely that cult of pop idol yeah. around them, except it was just through different media. Yeah, and in, in terms of uh, demographics yeah. of the fan base, have you noticed any specific differences between the ones that you've kind of had more experience in? Yeah, I mean, it's actually an interesting question because my instinct is to be like, young women but actually that's not strictly true and i think maybe that part of that is sort of an ingrained bias that we, as a society mm -hmm. hold towards fangirls i mean the term fangirls itself yeah. just implies something that's a bit yeah um, naive and childish but i think i would say it's definitely more women the age i think varies nice. and i think it does depend on like the magnitude of the fan base so i think bts have a huge fan base which means they have a very big range of people mm -hmm. that follow them when i liked jls it was it was pretty much young women but there, <laughs> there were also some like older fans that would like take their kids with them along so, al i've along seen that also with stuff. bts where a lot of parents they got introduced to it through their kids but now they're even more diehard fans and then they use that online community as a way exactly. to meet these other people yeah i mean music has always been something that's very unifying and i think it is really nice that people get to experience different types of music like this but you know i do think there is some situations where i think it's a bit odd <laughs> I, I, and i'm not no shade like i think that everyone should like whoever they want to like but i'm talking when it veers into slightly odd territory for example I can explain. I, I remember this I remember this specific moment on Twitter. Also, just to say, the reason why I say I, I'm not active in any of these things, as I said, I don't tweet, but I also don't really follow many fan accounts, but the nature of the social media platforms that we use nowadays is that the algorithm is crazy. Like you interact with one post and suddenly that's, it's all you see. And I think that means that people get into these obsessive cycles mm. so much easier because that's all you see it's true and it really gets in your brain you can definitely see that people get even unintentionally get sucked into these online accounts through the yeah, algorithm exactly anyway so i stumbled across this person's twitter account i think it was a fan account pretty much and the thing is is when you have fan accounts you've got no way of telling how old someone is unless they put it 
in their bio or something. I was scrolling through their Twitter feed. This woman had tweeted like, uh, be honest, everyone, like, how would you feel if one day, like, it's announced that, like, Tae Young has a girlfriend, all of this stuff. Like, she was like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I think um, I think I'd be happy for him, but I think I'd be really, like, sad, ultimately. And I was a bit like, right, okay. And then it transpires that she, this woman had a kid. Like, this was an actual mother with a child. And I was a bit like, that's super interesting to me because... I mean, everyone knows that parasocial relationships are pretty much the crux of celebrities and, the, and their fans and how they interact with them. Just to quickly define what we mean by a parasocial relationship, from an article in Medical News Today, it, quote, involves an enduring one-sided connection between a viewer and a public figure, end quote. The audience member may perceive a strong emotional bond, but the public figure doesn't reciprocate or is most often unaware of them. I was a bit baffled by the fact that that lasts even outside of sort of young adulthood. I mean, there's a certain level of delusion that everyone has. And I think <laughs> that is just something you have to accept if you're a fan of a celebrity. But I don't know. I just found that I just found that a bit shocking. It is true because they literally, the word idol is that they've become an almost symbol for people. Yeah. They, they, they've removed from that purely human level. Yes. It keeps people's fantasies alive. That's exactly it. I mean, I was, gonna, I was just going to say that just to... Um, compare with what you were saying about Beatlemania. The Beatles had groupies and they followed them around. Then you'd actually see the Beatles as real people and you'd be spending more time with them in a way that they're not an artificial creation, that you see them as real people. Whereas what social media has done is that it gives you the illusion of being really close to these people when the fact is you don't know them and they are partially a publicity tool. They've been created. It's, you know, you're seeing what, you th what they want you to see. I mean, we all buy into it, but... I think it, they are just a fantasy, especially boy bands. And that's where it differs is like, you have a lot of maybe fantasizing about them and being with them, like being married to them, them being their boyfriends. Um, <laughs> and just like hoping that one day that would be the case. The amount that they interact with their fans is as if there's a special relationship and their fans do know them, but they don't. And, and, that's and the you point. can definitely tell it when you see their posts yeah. or their kind of PR announcements where they will very sincerely thank their fans and they definitely feed into the whole... Yeah, they do. The whole... Uh, the, it is a the, group the, mentality the in a way. Term. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for it. And then they would almost be like, we're so grateful for your yeah. support. And so you kind of, through these platforms, it can it creates even more emotional connection. 100%. And it's, it's so emotional. Cycle. And, and I think... And I think I've, I've always said this, but I think the thing about BTS, which I realized is that there's so much content available online, not just the way they interact with fans mm -hmm. in real time, but just the amount of time that the amount they were filmed in their early years and the amount that they still are like what they put out, they, they're constantly putting stuff out and they're constantly like coming on live and all of this stuff. I, I understand why people think that they know them because you, when you see so much of someone and you, you, you pick up on their personality traits, naturally you form a picture of them you think that you know you know them and in the same way like the way they talk about each other and their fans you think you're part of that and I think that is really nice in a way to feel like you are part of something but it can be really dangerous and that's what I wanted to talk about I'm sure you have a question about this yes which yes. is like the dark side of feeling like this I think that is probably the worst thing about fan culture which is the way that people just are so uncritical about these celebrities and ironically I am sitting here saying all this but I, I am actually like anti-celebrity <laughs> so it's, very, it's ironic because I have all this useless knowledge but I am actually against you know the cult of the celebrity because celebrities are elevated to such a godlike status and they really shouldn't be and the amount of money they have is a bit insane yeah. but one thing I can't stand is when 
thinking you know the celebrity is translated into justifying any sort of like immoral actions that they do. And I think yeah. the notable time I saw this was actually with JLS. Trigger warning, the following section contains references to sexual assault. For listeners who may find this distressing, please skip to around 2103. In recent years, one of the members was accused of, of rape, basically. This was a few years ago, and there was a whole court case and everything against him and his friend. Um, and this is after they'd broken up as well, but there are still people that were fans of them online. But the way that people flocked to defend him online was so crazy to me because you do not know this man and the fact that he's been convicted. A minor correction we only realized after recording, the JLS member was in fact not convicted, but accused. He was arrested after an allegation of rape was made against him and subsequently went on trial alongside his tour manager who was charged with sexual assault. The jury found both men not guilty of the charges. Is awful. And as we know, the percentage of rape cases that actually go unreported, it's even a, a smaller amount of that go to court. And th there was this whole case going on and people just flocked online to support him and they would be trending like, we believe you and all of this stuff. Like, he doesn't deserve this. His name is being tarnished. And I was like, you don't know him. And how awful as well, like a lot of these people are women. A lot of them on a day-to-day -day basis would claim to always stand with survivors and that kind of thing. Absolutely, we should. And then you would just so uncritically support a celebrity who you don't know. And yeah. it's just, it's it's so it's so scary. And that's a bit of an extreme example, but I think it's a really representative one oh, because definitely. that's when I first was thinking, if I was really young and in that position, I definitely would have been influenced to, to think in a certain way, which yeah. is so harmful and like engaging these sort of toxic, misogynistic behaviours as well, calling... The, the woman who came forward as, you know, a liar and mm. a gold digger or whatever. And it's, it's so, it's really perverse, actually. I can imagine that people who think this man is not guilty and we need to defend him, the more they would look into maybe the hashtag of, like, yeah. you know, clear his name, the algorithm could recommend X, Y, Z to them. And then they further invest yeah. in these interests. Mm. So you chanced upon a very interesting article which was on a Cambridge University research yeah. site which was talking about the Logan Paul case and how fans went to defend his honor in light of a incident that he really should have been uh, criticized for so could you talk, talk to me a bit about that yeah sure so I don't have never watched Logan Paul to be honest but <laughs> I, I, I do recall this incident i think he was vlogging in um, a forest in japan i think trigger warning the following section contains reference to suicide for listeners who may find this distressing please skip to around 2234 i think is known as a place where people often go to um to commit suicide basically yeah and obviously extremely extremely sensitive and really triggering as well for a lot of people and um, some researchers studied the reactions of fans um to this apology video, I think, um, mm -hmm. that he made. And the, I think the main thing I got from that is exactly as you said, is that a lot of times when it comes to things that you that you love and are passionate in, it's very tied to your self-identity. So when you see criticism of that person or thing that you like, you take it as a personal attack on yourself. As we've just discussed, I think it, I think it has some really extreme negative consequences. It's definitely something to be aware of if you're a young person, I think, um, on social media, especially now with how young people are starting to join these sort of things. Social media in itself is quite a easy tool for establishing tunnel vision because yes. the more you, for example, whether it be the Logan Paul case or the JLS, when people are already of a certain view and they click to see that hashtag that is related to, yeah. for example, defending that so celebrity true. 
or you know whatever sides they're on then their feed will just be further curated to that certain view yeah. and they will not have a critical kind of thinking towards these yeah. uh, these cases definitely um an echo chamber and yeah i think yeah you can definitely see that i think also it's in the same guys really but you know inter like fan wars as well is mm. so i remember like a lot of jls fans would have scuffles with one direction fans as well <laughs> it's so funny and even now the same thing is the case like 10 years later i mean you sent it to me yourself the Young and jenny dating rumors which by the way is I actually think it maybe is kind of likely. But anyway, firstly, BTS fans and Blackpink fans, fans yeah. are like literal total opposites and the vim at which they come at each other is scary. I think it definitely just stems from the fact that personal identity becomes so interlinked with that cult of whatever yeah. celebrity that they're following. The amount of attacks that people personally come for each other it just goes to show that people are so invested really? in very part they part of themselves is in in this thing i think also what's really interesting is that if you if you narrow that down even further there's sort of within the fandom there are so many different categories of people and they will fight between each other so i as i said i was never on bts twitter and probably thank god for that because it sounds <laughs> a bit like a scary place and in some bits um because my friend she calls herself a veteran army so she's now not on Santa twitter anymore but she was like maybe 2016 so it was when they were sort of uh, blowing yeah. up internationally she tweeted this in i don't even know what it was about she tweeted this innocent thing and she just got, got dogpiled by a lot of armies there are so many different camps within fandoms that if you say something that someone doesn't agree with then you will get shunned for like not being a good fan. You know, at, at, at the core of it, people are brought together because they really love something. And I think that's really beautiful. But I think, as you said, it brings people together and often in um, often for good causes as well, as you said, often donate in the names of like the, some of the yeah, celebrities. Yeah, definitely, definitely the BTS fan base. One thing that made them famous was when it was 2020, they were actually very large drivers of Black Lives yeah, Matter exactly. that's what campaigns. And that online fandom then became a hotbed for online collective action. Yes. Towards people's political or like social causes. So for example, you know, Black Lives Matter was definitely one thing that um, that the BTS army seemed to be very active in. Another thing was, I guess a lot of them were more on the democratic yeah. side. And so they boycotted a lot of Trump rallies. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Or they bought tickets in the Trump rallies so yeah. that the rally would be empty or yeah. something like that, which is very interesting. It's become, it's definitely taken that direction. Yeah, in and I think that's really nice, to be honest. I mean, you know, as we were talking about earlier, we cannot escape digital spaces and especially like online social media platforms. But so much of this, um, as you said, is um, a way for people to, to organize and, you know, sometimes with political aims. Also just stuff I've seen about concerts and how BTS fans like rally together to create effective line management techniques and, you know, just to make sure that it's like safe. And they had some concerts in America last year. Uh, maybe it was this year. Um, and um, apparently, you know, you had to show your COVID passports and stuff and it was really badly managed and people were really delayed and there was a, like a huge crowd basically gathering outside. Oh. So it's like they took it upon themselves to ensure effective oh, and safe transition into the stadium it brings people together in in a productive way in terms of that but also even just in you know quieter ways often i think people gravitate towards celebrities not just bts but like any of these pop stars in times of difficulty or loneliness mm. people that i've seen online they actually got into a lot of these 
during the pandemic when yes. obviously number one your social activities are a lot reduced you're spending more time naturally online so fair enough you chance upon these online spaces and then secondly people because of these reduced in-person social activities people were not finding a way to connect with other people and humans being naturally social animals when you kind of cut that out for a long time it definitely does a yeah. lot of things to mental health those online fandoms definitely despite all the areas of weariness that we've yeah. mentioned and the toxicity which of course needs to improve it definitely has catered in the positive light in For terms sure. of those times of crises yeah. or uh, uncertainty yeah i think that's i think that's definitely true the internet itself just brings us such joy i mean there's obviously dark sides to it in the same way like being part of something like an online fandom it really does bring light to people's days and i think go through like do it yeah. you know as long as you have a healthy relationship with it it's definitely very interesting to watch wider phenomenon unfolds within because that's where it's very visible yeah in those online spaces and those online fandoms but anyways thank you so much nishi i thoroughly enjoyed our conversation Me too. i hope people also finds it entertaining and a bit enlightening when they pass by the next online fandom they can have a little think about things that we've talked about but yeah thank you thank you so much and thank you to you the listeners for tuning in to another episode of cloud civilizations until next time there's just some stuff that just makes you crease like for example (laughs) this theory that that Princess Diana was reincarnated as Jungkook from BTS. That is pure banter. I think it's because he's born the day after it. Once, that she died. Sw- In the live, um, Jungkook was like really tired and he was like not really there. He was a bit spaced out. <laughs> <laughs> Diana's reacting to people think that, you know, there was a tense relationship oh. there. And it came back because of that. And so then Jungkook was like trending under Princess Diana. <laughs>